Because yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away. Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. This is Bonnie D. in the house. Happy to be here. Thank you to the wonderful voice of Ryan Treasure, formerly of Voice America. I've kept your intro, Ryan, because I love your voice and your friendship. I never remember in the intro whether I said the now is here, the future is here, so I'm just going to go up in the air. Technology revolution, the future of now, now, now. I feel like this is a reunion show because I know my four guests very well. They've been on with me so many times. They're experts upon experts upon experts, and we're talking about a very interesting topic today, and we're doing alphabet soup, the future of IoT and AI. If that's a Wordle, I want to know about it. I did my Wordle about an hour ago. If anybody's playing Wordle, let me know, and we'll exchange scores. So let me just get started. Uh, let's. Of course, I went to ChatGPT, and by the way, ChatGPT has been getting a little temperamental recently. I'm getting mm -hmm. a lot of apologies. I know it's not sentient, but I'm getting a lot of apologies. Sometimes I ask for movie quotes and I say, I need a fictional character quote from a real movie. It'll give me a fictional movie with a character and then from a real person, which is not what I asked for at all, but it apologizes. Or it'll give me a movie quote and say, so-and-so in this movie said this. I will look it up to check it. And I'll go back and I say, did this character really say to say, apologies, I didn't mean to confuse you. That character did not say that in that movie. It came from Tom Raftery or something like that. Good luck, Tom. And then, <laughs> and then I'll put in the same query again. Did such and such and then say, yes, I'm sorry I confused you. That character did say that quote. So it's going backtracking and backtracking. And I just wish they would take the, the machine language, take the large language model and update it past the end of 2021 because it's kind of getting stale. So let me tell you what we're going to do today. I asked ChatGPT with best intentions. Please tell me about the future of Internet of Things, that's IoT and AI. And the response was, in general, the future of IoT and AI, Internet of Things and artificial intelligence hold tremendous potential for transforming various industries and aspects of our daily lives. Increased connectivity, smarter homes and cities, I'd like that. Enhanced industrial automation, okay. Health, healthcare innovations, we'd all like that, I think, except for privacy issues, hello. Edge computing, AI-enabled consumer experiences, that's interesting. Enhanced cybersecurity challenges, they didn't say whether it was enhanced for the good or for problems. Ethical considerations, we know that. Collaboration, standardization, and regulatory frameworks, a lot to think about. So then I said, please send me fictional movie quotes about the internet. And this is the best it came up with. I'm sorry, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> Eric knows that. That's HAL 9000 in 2001, A Space Odyssey from 1968. And then it came up with, from The Circle, I don't know that movie, 2017. The mm -hmm. internet is the nervous system of the 21st century. Ooh, I'm getting jittery with that one. And then I have one from a movie called Transcendence from 2014. Everything is connected. We will witness a new birth of freedom and along with it, a new way to monitor, control, and ultimately destroy our lives. Well, we don't do doom and gloom on this show, but I thought, Leonard, I thought it'd be fun to have that quote. So I have, just raise your hand and wave when I call you. Tom Raftery is back. Hello, Tom, the man who rocks the hat. I love that one. Looks kind of summery and tropical. Rob Tiffany is back. Hello, Rob. There he is. Hey, hey. 
Leonard Lee, welcome back. How are you? Eric Simone, Mr. Clearblade. He's changing his glasses every five minutes. I want to warn you, it's not an <laughs> optical delusion. Okay. For the future of IoT and AI, and I think I came up with a quippy subtitle, Making Sensor of Things. Does everybody get that? I, uh -huh, uh -huh. Nobody noticed it before now. Thank you very much. So let's go ahead and get some bios here. Now, I did the math before the show. And in aggregate, I think you've been on my show many, many times, each of you, you all do, I think your own podcast, you're out there and you're keynoting and you're doing events and you're doing everything wonderful out there in the world. So I'm guessing there might be uh, 17, well, I'm not guessing, I actually did the, did the query, 17.27598 people in the world who don't remember any of you. So talk to those 17 point, and I forgot the decimal. So let's go in this order, please. Remind them, who are you? What do you do? Why are you excited about Internet of Things and AI? Tom is first, then Rob, then Leonard, and then Eric. And we're all going to go and invest in some whiskey or Kahlua or Tia Maria or uh, I don't know what kind of a brand after the show. And we're going to come up with our initials, and we'll let you all know where you can buy our, our stuff. Okay, Tom Raftery, you're up. Take three minutes. Refresh us. What have you been up to, and why are you here talking about IoT and AI? Tom, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks, Bonnie. I was, <clears throat> I've been involved in the IoT space for about 15, almost 20 years now, You know, back when it was machine to machine. Uh, I led research in an organization called Red Monk on energy and sustainability, for example, uh, starting in 2008. And then we were looking a lot at, you know, smart grids and things like that. And uh, I was hired into SAP in 2016 as an IoT evangelist, uh, all the time working at the kind of intersection of technology and sustainability. Uh, unfortunately, I was impacted by the tech layoffs last year. So I'm kind of in between roles at the moment, but I'm doing a lot of consultancy work for organizations. And uh, again, it's uh, at the intersection of technology and sustainability with a big emphasis on, on IoT. So that's, that's me. What, ex what excites you, Tom, about that intersection of IoT with AI? Just briefly, what, what's, what, why did you accept my invitation to do this? Why are you here? Well, IoT is awesome. It absolutely is because it's everywhere. It's becoming ubiquitous and it allows us to gather information from everywhere, everywhere, massive amounts of information. The sensors are becoming smarter. The connectivity is becoming faster and cheaper. The sensors are becoming cheaper and more ubiquitous. But that information that we're gathering, there's so much of it there, we cannot parse it ourselves. We need AI to do that. Parse that information, make sense of it, and then spit out results where we can then go in and examine those results ourselves. That was beautiful. Thank you. Show's over. Okay, no, let's keep going. <laughs> that, was, that was one of the nicest overviews, top executive, we used to call them executive summary, what or elevator pitch. Thank you, Tom. Very, very succinct Thanks, and appreciated. Honey. Rob, Tiffany, you're next. What have you been up to? Why are you here? What excites you about this topic? Welcome back, Rob. Hey, it's so good to be here. I just kind of copy whatever Tom does. You know, he, <laughs> he teaches me everything I need to know. Um, yeah. So as all of you, all the audience knows, I co-developed the Internet of Things back in the early 90s with Al Gore. <laughs> and and then, you know, been working hard on it. You know, we started with vending machines in the 90s. And then, you know, that was crazy. And then things got a lot easier. So my back, I you know, spent most of my time at Microsoft. So IoT there was building Azure IoT. That was a lot of fun. 
uh, went to Hitachi and and developed this industrial IoT platform called Lumata that had these digital twins inside it that we called uh, asset avatars, which are really popular in Japan. Um, and then spent a bunch of time at Ericsson doing the 5G thing and connection management, you know, the connectivity for cellular for IoT stuff around the world. Um, and then, you know, Tom and I do stuff together. You know, we talk about IoT and sustainability a lot, actually. And so I got a lot of opportunity to apply IoT. What is IoT? It's measuring things, right, remotely. And, and you've got to know what's going on before you can manage or improve things, right? And so uh, obviously it has a big role to play there. Uh, but anyway, lately, uh, I just joined a company called Red Bison Networks. I'm the chief product officer there. And so it's it'll be some IoT digital twin and some AI stuff and more focus on the built world, like buildings, commercial real estate, offices, you know, condos, things like that. So uh, should be a fun adventure for sure. And apparently those buildings are, what are they creating, Tom? Is it like 40% of all greenhouse gases or something like that? 40 to 45, yeah. Really? Okay, so a lot of work to do there in, in, in lowering emissions. Role, yeah, you thank go. you. Thank you, I appreciate it. Well, Rob, congratulations on the new role and good luck to you following everything that Tom says. I hope that works out very well for both of you and sustainability is an important topic. So very, very happy to have you back. And I just want to know any relationship to the Tiffany family? I've never asked you. You know what? I, I'm doing this other thing because I wanted to see how the other half lives. Um, <laughs> normally, I'm just kind of living the life of luxury in Monaco. So, but I'm, I'm trying to keep it real with all you people. Well, we're very the, honored. The little that you people. Took time out of your glitterati <laughs> lifestyle and your yacht somewhere to come and be on my show. I'm very, of very course. thrilled. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> Leonard Lee, let's get back to real life. Leonard, so ah. happy to see you. Welcome back. I follow you Great on God. LinkedIn. My goodness, you're doing this and you're doing that. You're all over the place, very, very busy. I, and that's I, why you understand. all are. So, Leonard, catch us up. What have you been up to and what's your excitement about this topic? Welcome yeah, back. Sure, sure. Yeah. As everyone knows, I'm just trying to be a physical twin of Rob Tiffany. <laughs> I knew it would be fun having the four of you, but it's I didn't know it would be out all this well. much fun. I didn't know. <laughs> go, go ahead, Leonard. Fill in the blanks. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm the executive analyst at NextCurve. I founded about five years ago. It's a research firm that works with tech companies, <laughs> uh, tech companies, uh, on frontier topics and uh, topics of research. Um, also looking at like, um, Frontier markets, uh, things like edge cloud and five six G, and where is that going? And does it have a second uh, wind? <laughs> uh, things like that. And uh, in my prior life, I was with Gartner. I was a managing partner there, uh, working with uh, technology, media, and telecoms clients, uh, doing pretty much the same thing that I'm doing. At Next Curve, and prior to that, I have 20 years in um, uh, consulting, uh, PWCM, uh, you know, EY, uh, UST Global. The list goes on and on, and done a, lot, a bunch of stuff. And you know, uh, 30 years of all this experience, I'm channeling into uh, Next Curve and working with clients doing really crazy stuff. It's really fun, and uh, you know, it's um, great to be on the show, Bonnie. And thanks for having me on again with these guys. Thank you. Delighted, delighted. And what's your specific excitement about IoT and AI? Is that an intersection that's a good, well, I want to ask you a good thing or bad thing, but how excited are you about that and the opportunities, Leonard, just uh, briefly? 
Yeah, I'm always excited about it. Um, it's an important element of um, just what's going on in the overall ICT space, uh, which is uh, information communications technology space, right? So um, it, it's it's a fixture. You have to know about it. Um, there's a lot mm -hmm. of things going on. Um, there's a lot of challenges, but then there's also a lot of opportunities. And I think uh, one of the things that Rob and I do is we host a, a show called IoT Coffee Talk, and we talk <laughs> in real terms about some of those opportunities and also challenges. So we try to ground the community, and it just happens that somehow we land on these influencer lists, and we're we're uh, and Tom too, right? And I think Eric as well. We're like all like friggin' influencers. It's amazing. <laughs> friggin' <laughs> influencers. <laughs> Industry 4.0. So, uh, you know, obviously we're uh, resonating with folks and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sharing our experiences and our knowledge, I think um, uh, we're hoping is a, is a benefit to the community and continues to move the ball in the, um, the, the industry. Thank you for your resume, which is alphabet soup. I have so many letters put together there. Thank you for explaining some. Did you know that this show started out on October 5th, 2011 as Coffee Break with Game Changers? It was my first flagship really? show I created for SAP. And October 5th, 2011 was the day that Steve Jobs passed away. And that's why I never, ever forget those two iconic moments. My first show when three mobility execs from SAP were on the show and only one showed up. Two were in Europe and forgot the time difference. So I spoke to one guy for one hour about mobility. I never went back. I know, Rob. I never went. Well, I've done enough improv that I know how to keep a conversation going for yeah. hours. The guest showed up the second week, the third week, the guest showed up. The fourth week, my manager called me and she said, I have information for, I have news for you. And I said, oh crap, she's going to shut the show down. She hates it. She said, I love it. Go big. I just funded you for 52 weeks. You're doing a live show every week for a year. I said, what? How am I going to, and the next thing I know, I've got 50 series for SAP over the next 10 years. So coffee break with Game Changers. And in 2019, Tom, when SAP said goodbye to me, another one of those we don't. Ha we have too many people here. One of those things. Um, I converted it to technology revolution, and and I've kept the audience and grown them, and I'm very very grateful wow. to people around the world. So right. thank you. So coffee talk, coffee break. Yeah. I started that. How dare you? We'll have to invest in coffee. Eric Simone, the man with the glasses that are just rocking the screen right now. Eric, would you please catch us up? What have you been up to? And what's your excitement about the topic? Welcome back. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Bonnie. Um, gosh, you know, I'm CEO of a. Uh, IoT software and edge computing, edge AI software company called ClearBlade. Oh gosh, what have we been doing? We've been ingesting data from over 300 customers around the world over the last nine months. So it's been somewhat crazy over here. Uh, one, I love this. I love IoT. Uh, you know, I've been doing it for roughly 20 years and we're one of the kind of OG edge computing companies out there. So I love the intersection of IoT, AI, and Edge, and helping customers implement that to, to create really interesting outcomes. Um, I've been in the industry, gosh, now 35 plus years. Started my career at IBM, a couple stints at IBM doing air traffic control and client server computing. Spent time at Johns Hopkins Hospital doing patient intake systems, and really have been a startup guy since 94, and I've only had two, uh, a company now called Proficient, and then ClearBlade, which has been going about 17 years now. So um, 
it's it's a fascinating space. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of movement in places like energy and, and, and energy conservation and carbon neutral. I'm seeing a lot in transportation and electric vehicles. We're seeing a lot in healthcare and manufacturing. So it's fascinating to me because I learn from my partners and my customers how they're implementing our technology and what, what advances they're making, and, and we're providing uh, the software to allow them to do that. Isn't that interesting? That sounds like circular, that, that you learn from them, they learn from you, you support them, they tell you what they need. I hadn't thought of it that way, that, that circular, uh, circular knowledge economy. Oh, did I just copyright something there? Circular <laughs> knowledge economy where, where we're all sharing. And, right, Rob? We're talking, we're sharing. I need this. Can this software do this? Can you make this for me? How are we going to use it? I have one important question. Thank you all for your bios. Appreciate the catching up. I have one important question for Leonard Lee. We we all should have asked him this question. Which model of old, old, old? Is that an original Apple on your desk behind you, or what is that computer? Yeah, that's a Mac Plus. Yeah. That's so. uh, so. 128. What I have year? An earlier right there. You do? Yeah. What, what, what year? What year are these? What year? Oh, gosh. Apple IIe, 1984, 85. This is like it still runs. Very, very cool. I'm trying to remember the year that I was hired yeah. by a former company named Savings Banks Trust Company on Long Island, and they wanted me to come in. And what was I supposed to do? I was supposed to be the systems liaison, and they said, Bonnie, you speak English very well. You write English well, but you also talk computer because I was an early woman in tech. I'd uh, been a programmer analyst for years. They said, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to go from the Long Island office to Manhattan. You're going to go to our corporate office in New York City. 43rd and Madison, and you're going to talk to the different departments. It was a correspondent bank. You didn't walk in and say, I want a money order. We had a vault on Wall Street where we kept securities for the savings banks of New York State. We did check processing. We did back office for them. And they said, you're going to go and talk to all the departments and find out what they need from the IMS department was an IT, it was information management systems or MIS. You're going to come back to the Woodbury office and you're going to tell them what the departments need and tell them in English, but in computeries, and they're going to write the programs. So they said that and they created the job for me. They said, you talk computer, you talk English. So they created it. And then eventually they said, okay, that. now they said, we're going to do turnkey banking systems. Do you remember how to code in COBOL? I said, yes. They said, well, we're firing our conversion programmer. We're getting you a terminal. You're going to be doing COBOL conversion code to take this bank down in Chinatown in New York City and turn it over to our turnkey banking system. And then you're going to run the marketing for the whole company. So the point I'm getting to is they said, okay, now we're, we're getting you a Macintosh. Start doing newsletters and planning events and doing news, everything for the bank. So I had the terminal doing COBOL on one side of my desk and I had a little tiny Mac. And I said, what do you want me to do? They said, do newsletters for the presidents of the same banks of New York State. I said, I, so I was dating somebody who owned an advertising agency. I said, teach me design. He said, I'll teach you design. So I said to the bank, rent me a Mac for one month. I brought it home when I put the kids to bed every night at around after I did, finished what I was doing around 10 o'clock, I turned on the Mac and I learned to use PageMaker. 
Oh, this yeah. is Great Work Express. I learned to do layout, and before you knew it, I was doing a newsletter for the presidents and executives of the huh? savings banks of New York State on my own for the bank and running events for them. But I looked at this and I said, what is this Mac thing? This is a mouse? What is a mouse? It's this thing I'm used to running, to doing code for mainframe computers that had a warehouse and bells and whistles, and you pulled up the tiles from the floor and the cables were underneath and the lights blinked and everything. And they said, no, this is a little box called a Macintosh. And, and you have this little thing you roll around on the desk called a mouse. And you're going to teach yourself how to use this so you can be the marketing director of the bank. So that was my introduction to, to Macintosh. Oh, thank you very much. If well it's, done, Bonnie. And it still it, works. It still works. Wow. And I'm now on my 29th Mac and I'm waiting for the gold watch. There you go. There you, you go. You know what, Bonnie? What? Bonnie, when I hear when I hear you say I could speak English like to people and the developers, that sounds like it came right out of office space. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you'll remember yeah. that. Well, you, you never know person. where... I have a degree in psychology, too, so you have to understand what makes people tick and what makes computers tick. So thank you for listening to my story. Let's move on. You have each sent me a wonderful, quote, fictional quote. You got past ChatGPT from a movie or a TV character or a song. Let's take two minutes to explain the quotes, how they relate to the topic. Tom Raftery has sent me a quote, oh, from Rafiki, voiced by John Kenny, The Lion King. 2019 American musical drama film. I like the way they put the genres together photorealistic computer animated remake of Disney's animated 1994 film of the same name. Simba is a young lion and he must become embrace his role as the rightful king of his homeland after the murder of his father by his uncle. That's a lot of family issues here. Rafiki is a mandrel and the shaman or shaman of the Pride Lands in Kingdom Hearts 2 and the king's most trusted advisor. Okay, here is the quote. I don't attempt to do it in the language of Rafiki. Tom, you can do your own impersonation. <laughs> Oh, yes, the past can hurt, but from the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Tom, two minutes, take it away. Sure. <clears throat> it's, I actually, one of my, one of my favorite uh, kind of philosophies to go by is that every day is a school day. You know, um, I always want to be learning new stuff all the time. In fact, that's what I love about podcasts is that you can get podcasts about any topic, no matter how niche it is. And I always come away from podcasts when I, I know it's a good podcast when I can say, gosh, I never knew that at the end of the podcast. So I always like to be learning new things. And this particular quote that I used from Rafiki, it's just, it's a little bit self-indulgent and, and a little bit poignant because as I mentioned earlier, I was laid off last year and that hurt, that hurt a lot because it was a job I absolutely loved uh, and it, it, it did hurt, but yeah, as the, as the saying goes, you got to learn from it. And so I've taken that and I have learned from it. And now I've, you know, set up on my own. I'm, I'm doing a lot of freelancing and doing a lot of consultancy, doing a lot of speaking engagements, keeping running the two podcasts that I had while I was with SAP. Uh, SAP was good enough to allow me to keep those. Uh, and uh, I'm, you know, making the best of it and moving on from there and uh, still wearing the hats and still keeping the sunny side up. So... <laughs> Can you relate this to our topic about IoT and AI? Is there a link there somewhere, well, Tom? Yeah, I, very, very tenuous, I got to admit. <laughs> but, okay. but, you know, uh, the chat GPT did come out around the same time I was laid off and it came out the 30th of November. And I was checking back recently 
to it, I used one password as my password manager, and I went back in to look at my password for ChatGPT for OpenAI in one password, and it turns out I set it up at noon on the first of December. So the product was out less than 12 hours when I had already created my account on it. And uh, it's it, it's like I said, every day is a school day. I always want to be learning. Uh, I got into that straight away and I've been using that ever since. And I managed to get ChatGPT to take my digital supply chain podcast from 8,000 downloads a month in November of last year to 13,500 in May. So it's been, you know, it's been a fantastic learning experience. And yeah, I've, I've, it did hurt being laid off, but I've turned it around and I've, I've you know, had a fun, a fun time learning lots of new stuff as a consequence. Thank you. And there's an AI link in there and we heard it. Thank you very much. I want to ask you how <laughs> I can get even, how I can get even more downloads of this one. Thank you very much, Tom. Interesting. Rob Tiffany, I'm looking at your quote here and let's see where we are. This is very interesting. This is from a movie called Singles, 1992 American romantic comedy film, and Linda Powell, played by the lovely Kira Sedgwick, is talking to Steve Dunn, D-U-N-N-E, played by Campbell Scott. It's about the precarious romantic lives of a group of young Gen Xers living in Seattle, Washington, at the height of the 1990s grunge phenomenon. Most of them live in an apartment block, and the sign says singles out front, meaning single bedroom apartments, but who knows? It's a double entendre for rent. It's divided in chapters and focuses on two couples' rocky romances and their friends' and associates' love lives. And here's the main theme, coffee bar waitress Janet played by Bridget Fonda, fawns over aspiring aloof grunge rocker Cliff Poncier, Matt Dillon, in the fictional band Citizen Dick. We'll leave that one alone. Linda and Steve waver on commitment to each other, and Debbie seeks Mr. Right. So here's the quote said by Linda to Steve. I think that A, you have an act, and that B, not having an act is your act. Oh my goodness, Rob, I, it's inside out, upside down, and all over the place. What does this have to do with our topic? Help me out. What? You think it? You think it has anything to do with our topic? That's so silly, Bonnie. So I just put it in there because I love the movie. That you know, I arrived in Seattle in '92. I via a submarine. I was still driving submarines then, but that's when I, I got. I ended up staying in Seattle and doing all this tech stuff. Um, I love that movie, Singles, because it it was a, it captures that grunge moment. I'd say the peak of Seattle in the early '90s with all those bands coming out and. But yeah, that scene, they're at a cool place. I think they were at Rock Candy in Seattle. I think they were probably watching Alice in Chains or something like that. And um, and yeah, he was trying to pick up Kira Sedgwick saying, this time, I'm not going to have an act. I'm just going to be me. And, and you know, she called him on it. It's like, no, that's your act also. Um, but anyway, Love Singles, it's a great, great memory. Uh, and yeah, yeah, for me, I think that that began my journey living in Seattle uh, and everything took off from there, you know, startups and careers and stuff like that. No connection to AI, though. Sorry, Bonnie. I'm going to make a connection to AI because if you think of, does ChatGPT have an act? Well, how does it follow its own act if it's limited to 2021 and then there's ChatGPT4 and there are all kinds of other uh, LLMs, large language models you can buy, you can subscribe to, you cannot. So the question is, is it an, I'm going to just say this, is it an act that we can actually tap into, Tom, open AI? We can go in, set a password, go in and ask it anything. Is it going to give us, is it going to act like an authority with knowledge that we need? Rob, how am I doing here, kid? I'm it, doing it is. 
I'm doing it your job acting. here. Okay, it there you acting. go. It's not doing the straight HAL 9000 thing. It's pretending that it's like cares about you and stuff like that Thank and you. apologizes. Yes, it does. Thank you very much for letting me link it. I appreciate that. Let's see how Leonard does. Leonard, I'm hoping. Leonard has sent us a quote from John Winger, played by Bill Murray. The movie is Stripes, 1991 American Work. I love war comedy. Okay, how funny could that be? John is an immature taxi driver who, after losing his job, Tom, and his girlfriend, decides to enlist in the U.S. Army with his friend Russell Ziski, played by Harold Ramis. The movie was a commercial success, blah, blah, blah. Here's the quote. That's the fact, Jack. Okay, Leonard, you have to relate it to the topic. Please, go ahead. Uh, yeah. That's the fact, Jack. That's how you got to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go yeah. ahead. Oh, uh, you know, um, actually, you know, that what you remember um, when they first came out with those little sound bites or whatever ringtone type of thingies that mm -hmm. you could, you, could uh, you know, I guess they were like sounds that you can configure in your Mac. That was my first one on this Mac. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, it's like one of my favorite uh, quotes for a long time. And how does it relate to IoT? Well, um, that's what we're trying to get, right? From IoT. Yes. Facts. Right? Just a fact, man. That's the fact. Jack. Yeah. Hashtag exactly. Facts. That's what IoT is all about. Just getting facts from the field, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, filtering out all the, the junk data, the noise. Yep and then getting to facts. And so, yeah, you know, um, Bill Murray was a pioneer, you know? He, he knew about IoT before any of us knew about IoT in the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> Did he help to invent the internet with Rob and Al? Oh, yeah. Well, that would be okay. fun. He, he, okay. was, he was the uh, foundation <laughs> model for that. <laughs> Bill was there. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm tying it back to... AI. You, you did. I'm very impressed. Eric, I, 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 def, I bow to you. Save this segment of the show. Eric has picked a quote from Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando, the Godfather. 1972 American crime drama, uh, Vito Corleone, portrayed in the film originally in 1972 by Brando and then later by Oreste Baldini as a boy and Robert De Niro as a young man in The Godfather Part Two in 1974. Vito oversees a business founded on, uh oh, gambling, bootlegging, prostitution, union corruption, but he's known as a kind, generous man who lives by a strict moral code. That's ironic. That's funny. <laughs> uh, of loyalty to his friends and above all his family. Okay, here is the quote. Interesting, Eric. I have learned more in the streets. I can't do it, Brando. I have learned more in the streets than in any classroom. That's terrible. Eric, rescue me, please. What does this have to do with our topic? I'm counting on you. Well, first, I'll tie it to to a couple things. One, I'm um, I've been called the the Godfather of Edge by others, so I'm, I'm owning that. Wait and a minute! Wait a, a minute, everybody! Round of applause! Round of applause! If he said he was called that, it's a fact, Jack. Okay, yeah, it's, a, it's fact, a fact, Jack. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, Eric. But I live in Libertyville, Illinois, and went to Libertyville High School. See that little orange flag right there, pendant? Yes. Mike Brando went to my high school. Now, get out. A few decades before I did, right? Of course. So, uh, so there's a tie there, right? Uh, uh, to to, to the, the Godfather himself, and this quote really is is all about, hey, look, and, and I've learned more from the streets and my experiences than all the books I've read and things I've read. If I had a photographic memory, I'd be much smarter. I can draw on these experiences and the value of things like Gen AI, 
allow us to enhance kind of what we do, but it doesn't replace that street smart. It doesn't replace that thinking and feeling and intuitive nature that we have when we make decisions. It doesn't, it's not self-aware as some people start talking about, right? It's, it's either reactive or it's non-deterministic like chat GPT. So street smarts are still a thing, will always be a thing. So if you're making decisions, if you're creating music, there's a soul involved there. And uh, I don't see AI as a threat to that uh, at all, by the way. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Thank you all for your quotes, gentlemen. I learned about some movies I had never seen, and I just might. So there you go. And we sort of kind of helped each other relate them to the topic. You all missed that part of the instructions. But shoe I, I, Shoehorning. I love you all, and I forgive you. My <laughs> shoes are a little tight today. Thank you very much. Let's go to the part of the show where I'm going to pick one prediction from each of you. I've already put one from Tom Raftery in the chat for you, Tom. And what's going to happen is, Tom, take two to three minutes. I'm not clocking you, but if you see me doing this, it means hurry up. If you see me doing this, it means I'm <laughs> muting your mic, and uh, thank you very much for your service. So, And when Tom is describing his unpacking, Hacking his prediction, Rob and Leonard and Eric, if you want to comment, a one-minute brief comment, I think you all have 10 fingers on both hands. Uh, one of the fingers in each hand is the naughty finger. I don't respond to that. But if you wiggle one of the nice fingers, I will call on you. I will see you. That's why we're visual here on Zoom. And I'll let you, I'll invite you to comment on And you don't have to agree with Tom. Just be aware of that. He's, I know. Tom, has uh, Tom. your hat will protect you. It's the magic hat, so it's fine. <laughs> so here's the prediction. And then I'll pick one from, who's next? I'll pick one from uh, Rob, and I'll put it in the chat for you, and one from Leonard, and one from Eric, and let's see how far we get. So Tom Raftery, prediction number one, said AI and IoT will be increasingly used for environmental monitoring and energy efficiency. This is important to all of us around the world. Smart grids, intelligent energy management systems, and real-time pollution tracking are a few examples of how these technologies could be used to promote Tom's favorite topic, sustainability. Tom, three minutes unpack, and let's see if anybody wants to comment. Go ahead. Yeah, do you have a shepherd's crook, Bonnie, in case that three minute comes and goes and I'm still waffling? <laughs> I'll let you know. This is your crook. There you go. Go ahead. So, yeah, I mean, I, I did say in the intro part how much uh, IoT is being used for sustainability and will be used for sustainability. We've got all kinds of challenges facing us in terms of meeting sustainability development goals from the UN plus our Paris Climate Accord uh, agreements. So. The only way we're going to be able to monitor those and, as Rob mentioned earlier, uh, measure them and then act on them is by having IoT everywhere. By, as, as I said in the in the prediction, having things like sensors measuring, it can be anything from the temperature of the water, air temperature, air quality is another one uh, that, that's increasingly being looked at as well. Um, weather is a big one, obviously. Uh, and sensors everywhere are, are monitoring those. I was asked on an IoT show recently, actually, what's the weirdest use case I'd seen for IoT? And it was a bit of a left field example. And the use I had was using acoustic sensors on traffic lights for locating the uh, locating where shootings took place, which was... Yeah, it, it's a particularly, you know, as a European, Ooh. Ooh. Uh, it, it, I, I read about that and it, it kind of really struck me as weird and left field. But of course, we don't have many shootings here in Europe. So for, for I can see how it makes a lot of sense in the, in the US where there are a lot of shootings. But in terms of environmental monitoring, 
even things like agriculture. Agriculture is one of the largest producers of greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, so reducing those, you can do it in lots of different ways, measuring the uh, humidity of soil uh, to know when to irrigate or not. The production of water is hugely responsible for emissions as well. Plus, anyway, water is becoming a more scarce resource. So we want to reduce the amount of water being used. Shifting to massive indoor vertical farms will help enormously there. Those are run using IoT devices, frankly, uh, completely automated using IoT. Uh, other things like precision agriculture, again, uh, using sensors on uh, autonomous tractors, for example, to roll out seeds. Uh, because one thing that when, when farmers are seeding or fertilizing either their fields, there's a huge overlap often between the rows because they're doing it manually. But with precision agriculture, where it's done automatically, uh, there's no overlap. When you get an overlap with fertilizer, you get the plants that are hit by that overlap, they, they, they produce less because it's toxic to them. It's more than they need. And when you uh, get seeds overlapping, what you get is competition between the seeds. So you get reduced yield as well. So having precision agriculture, which is all done with IoT, you can you know reduce that overlap and consequently increase yields and reduce inputs. So you get reduced inputs and increased yields as a consequence. So, you know, there's, there's a a myriad of examples. I don't know where I am in the three minutes, Bonnie. I can keep going. <laughs> you're, go you're good. You're good. Thank you very much, Tom. That was that was great. Eric raised his hand. A oh, whole hand, Eric. Wow. You go next, Eric. What do you want to say? And Rob's after you. Go ahead, Eric. I just want to say Tom's dead on. Um, we're seeing a lot of indoor farming examples out of Asia and Europe where they're using uh, IoT and the combination of the data that they're they're getting in AI to 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 optimize growth in, in internal uh Actually, these vertical buildings, it's fascinating to me. And again, it's one of the areas where we learn by seeing how they, they put our software to use, right? So, so mm -hmm. he nailed it. Good. Rob, you want to say, I saw one of your predictions was on this topic. Rob, you want to comment? I'm always copying Tom, basically. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't have an original thought. Everything comes from Tom. But, uh, but, but he's right. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, there's a, there's a farming company in Illinois, probably not too far from Eric, who back at CES this year, we saw this giant sea and spray machine that was using edge compute and computer vision when it's planting and then putting just the right amount of fertilizer, like a starter fertilizer right on that thing to be back to Tom's, the phrase precision agriculture. We're being very precise. We're not wasting water. We're not wasting fertilizer. We're being, because resources are scarce these days, aren't they? Lots of them. And so uh, anyway, there's a lot of great innovation happening in agriculture. It's a fun space. Leonard, go ahead, join us. Uh, and uh, just really quickly, uh, riffing off of the whole CES thing, um, uh, you know, this year we also saw a lot of companies uh, coming to market with, um, you know, EV infrastructure um, solutions. And a lot of them are very heavily IoT dependent. And it's an entire new infrastructure that needs to be instrumented and optimized. And you'll be surprised how complex the, the technology as well as the uh, management requirements are for, a, or for uh, an EV uh, charging, um, you know, infrastructure. So yeah, um, you're spot on, Tom. Thank and, you. you know, smart grid, smart metering. It's all yeah. a bit, all the rage now. 
I want to know if I can get a a smart garden sensor for my garden because I haven't grown tomatoes in years and my neighbors apparently are way ahead of me on the learning curve. And a neighbor across the street just bought me a big boy tomato that was perfectly ripe that must have been five inches in diameter. And mine are still green sitting on the vine, even though it's 90 degrees here in Loudoun, Tennessee, and they're not ripening. And I have two plants a neighbor gave me that don't have many flowers on them. They're beautiful tomato plants, but they're not producing any fruit. And I want to know what is Linda across the street doing that I'm not doing. So I either have to ask her or I'm going to buy some at-home sensors. That's an interesting application. Anybody want to steer me in the maybe Sharper Edge has something like Sharper Image. Let's move on. Thank you, Tom, for that interesting start off. And let's go to Rob. Rob, I'm looking at prediction number three. You say, as the lifetime experiences of one's friends and family are captured by a variety of IoT sensors and used as training data for LLM's large language modules, comforting and familiar AI companions will help combat the loneliness experienced by those who find themselves alone. So this is an interesting social commentary. I didn't expect it from anyone. And I like it because we have to talk about, we're still people last I checked, unless the robot with the hat there is want to admit to anything. I'm sorry, Tom, I love you. Anyway, Rob, Rob, help us out with the sensors and family and friends and LLMs. You got a lot of stuff in there in that potpourri. So Rob, talk to me. All right. It does seem like a stretch, doesn't it? Um, no, I like you know it. <clears throat> no, um, you know, my first, I remember going to it when I was working at Hitachi and I'd be in Japan and they put on a big event. And I remember uh, Hitachi working on a, they had a video and it was this older woman and she was alone at her apartment in her bed. And But it was a little companion sitting next to her, you know, almost like a clock radio, but had a face. And we've seen things like that. It's AI. And it wasn't meant to be creepy or something like an episode from an episode of black mirror it was it was there to comfort her and to have companionship and i've noticed especially as we went through this COVID thing i've been reading lots of articles about how one of the biggest problems we may have in our society we don't talk about it is actually loneliness and people are more isolated than they've ever been before and i was imagining over time these the way the large language models work as more conversations, as more things from people get built in there, I think you will tap into these large language models actually to create these companions for people who might find themselves, you know, living alone. Um, you know, Japan's a great example. It's the oldest country in the world, and by by meaning the population of people very, very old, and a lot of them are alone. You know, and so uh, yeah, definitely a little different. It's more of a social thing. Um, try not, you know, it's going to be somewhere between the creepy dystopian and the here, this is here to help you. But um, the more you and friends and family, and I know there's all those issues of privacy, is it capturing everything? We don't want it to capture everything. Um, but it could, it could recreate things that look familiar to you over time uh, and could almost sound like people you know based on how much information is built up in those models. So certainly a fine line. <laughs> between cre- creepy and good and private and whatever. Uh, but yeah, it just it just kind of it just kind of popped into my head. I liked it. Everybody remember the movie Her with Scarlett Johansson as yes. the, the the system, right? Talking, he fell in love. Right. Didn't know she was falling in love with a million other guys around the world or whoever she was right. falling in love with. And it reminds me that when I, if I'm, 
in a mood or I'm not in a mood and I, I'm alone and I'm thinking, what would I like to do? I'll ask Alexa to play some favorite music or I'll ask her to tell me jokes and I'll tell Alexa, I like you. And she'll say, I like you too. And I'll say, thank you. And she'll say, thank you for your thanks. I appreciate you. I appreciate the thanks. They make me feel good. And so I will talk to Alexa. I mean, it's not creepy. She's here and she's, she's not censored. Oh, I know she's recording because you can find all your recorded conversations with Alexa on your on Amazon.com. If you go, you'll see everything you ever said to Alexa and her responses. Leonard wanted to comment. Go ahead, please. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is, and, and I've uh, written and commented and uh, done a couple of, um, you know, uh, vlog pieces on this is um, the fact that uh, large language models, excuse me, I don't know why that went off like that. It's not supposed to. Um, uh, yeah, they're coming to the uh, to endpoint devices. So you know, like mm -hmm. Qualcomm, for instance, uh, they demonstrated they can um, you know run Control Net on a smartphone, and it's actually quite performant. Um, and so uh, you know, this whole idea of having uh, companions is not too far fetched. In fact, it, when I went to CES 2016, you already saw some inklings of this happening where people were infusing smart speaker technology into little robots right uh, you're not looking at a speaker but either a you know uh you know uh, something that looks like a pet right a robotic pet so uh you know with uh, this whole trend of ai or generative ai models now being deployed uh, more locally and even on device i mean it can address some of those privacy concerns as well so you know Thank Pretty you cool very stuff. much. And Google is developing a robo cat that will be different from a Roomba because if it sees dirty dishes, it'll bring another robot in to wash your damn dirty dishes. And if it sees something wet on the floor, it'll bring in another robot that's trained to mop up the water on the floor so nobody has a spill. Eric, go ahead. Talk. So to, to Rob's point, all your points, our fastest growing customer in Japan right now is an, an emotional support robot company called Lovat. So Lovat has an AI, uh, embedded AI, has camera. It's warm to the touch. It reacts to people that are nice to it. It reacts to people that aren't nice to it. And it, I'm fascinated. I, a month ago, I didn't know anything about this company. And all of a sudden, I see the data lighting up for this company I've never heard of. And it's all around exactly what Rob said. It, 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 they're, they're building it. They're, they're doing it. There's thousands of these all over Japan. Can you so spell look the name? L-O-V-O-T. You can look it up. L-O-V-O-T. Okay, we're going to do that. Thank so you. Cool. Very interesting. Cool and warm at the same time, Eric. Yes. Right? <laughs> there we go. Tom, talk. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating space because I remember years ago, four or five, maybe six years ago, reading about someone in the tech space whose partner died. And so they got their entire chat history with that partner and fed it into an AI, not a not a, an LLM because those weren't available at the time, fed it into an AI and started having conversations with it. And the conversation started coming back as if it was their dead partner. So now I can imagine you can now sample people's voices and create clones of their voices. Mm -hmm. You can have voice to text and text to voice and you can have LLMs. So it would be very straightforward to take your entire chat history with a partner, feed it into an LLM on your own device, 
have a voice to text, have a text to voice, and have conversations with someone who may have existed. It gets to Rob's point, it gets kind of creepy, it gets really yes. creepy at some points. But at the same time, to, to Rob's point as well, for people who are lonely, or going through, you know, a grieving process or something, something like this, you know, could be quite comforting. It could, and somebody's doing holograms of past people, in, and you can get a summon up a hologram, and that's just way out of my comfort zone. Okay, Tupac. we are we are running out of time here. I want to make sure we get one from Leonard and one from Eric, so let's keep it tight. Uh, Leonard, I put in prediction number two in the chat for you. He says, we will see more applications of remote intelligent operations where devices such as vehicles, Drones and robots, as we're going to talk about, can be operated remotely with increased autonomy for things like remote site maintenance, security, lunar exploration. This will happen as a cost of monitoring nowhere comes down dramatically in the future. I hope I read that right. Leonard, take take three minutes, and I think we will not do comments because I want to pick up one from Eric uh, before we're done. Go ahead. Wow, I wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You did. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and I think um, it, it's sort of true, right? That's pretty damn good. <laughs> I wasn't sure which way you were going with that. I don't know what to that. say about it. Just say something. Make something up. Wrote it. Come on. Make something up. No. See that that that's the problem. Uh, you know, ChatGPT wrote it, so I don't have to know <laughs> what I, I submitted as a prediction. No, I I think um, when you think about the combination of IoT and um, you know um, AI, you know we're getting to a point where you can develop autonomous systems, right? But um, you know one of the things that we don't often talk about for some reason is remote operations. And I don't mean remote sensing, but actually operating in remote areas and having agents, physical agents out there working on behalf of people, uh, in particular in um, areas that are either too costly to get to, uh, are not safe and dangerous, are, are dangerous for humans. And, and in these types of scenarios, being able to uh, lean on intelligent things that you can also, um, you know, uh, monitor remotely. And those things ideally will also be these Uber IoT devices, right? They're going to have their own sensors and uh, perception systems that will uh, allow them not only to function autonomously, but to provide human operators uh, you know, the ability to observe what's happening in the environment and uh, whether or not that particular agent is executing on things um, in, in, in a proper way or an intended way. But then also, you know, all that other nice stuff that we talk about in IoT as well, right, with condition monitoring. And then, you know, if you really want to talk about preventative maintenance and stuff like that, sure, you can throw that in. But, you know, I think you get the gist. Thank See, you, Leonard. I actually wrote that. You did great. I'm glad you're proud of what you wrote that you didn't remember and not sure where you got it. But Tom didn't write it. That we know for sure. He didn't get blamed for that. Eric, let's close with this one. Uh, we have to talk about health. Healthcare professionals would become smarter, aided by the collective intelligence of all the knowledge in their industry via AI. Doctors will rely on AI assistance embedded in medical equipment to help diagnose and treat patients. I think there's a lot of that already in existing where do you Eric. see it going? Eric, go ahead. Two minutes, please. This is one of the, the, the areas that I'm really excited about. So you'll have these AI co-pilots, right? 
that assist uh, uh, doctors in diagnosis and treatment in surgeries, right? This is already happening. You know, we have uh, a radiology company that's been working with us since 2011, so way back, right? And, and it's really about taking an MRI brain scan and applying that, that, that knowledge to, to, to diagnose and treat patients. And that's, that's, that's been embedded into their existing systems for, for prediction and for analysis and for communication with the patient. And I'm seeing more and more and more of this embedded all over the place. So that, to me, is one of the areas that we can really benefit from the use of AI and Gen AI. Where would you like to see it in terms of healthcare, Eric? What would be your favorite device you would like to see this co-pilot help your doctor, if I can ask you? Maybe we'll do a quick around the table. Go ahead. I'll say heart, number one, because I have family history and uh, I have to go, you know, every few months to make sure that my cholesterol is in check. And uh, if there's one area I think we could could really benefit is, is heart health. Anybody else have a health device you would like to see? Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, my son, my older son, was diagnosed a couple of years back with type 1 diabetes. And uh, type 1, if you're not familiar, is the bad one. It's the one where you, you know, have to measure your blood sugar several times a day and you have to be constantly injecting yourself with insulin just to make sure you stay alive, actually. Uh, and uh, a couple of years after he was diagnosed, he was moved from, you know, doing the pricking your finger and squeezing out the drop of blood several times a day. He was moved from that onto a sensor device, mm -hmm. which goes on the back of his arm. It's called a Libre Freestyle Sensor. There's a couple yep. of companies that make them now. Yep. And instead of six measurements a day, it does 1,440 measurements a day, one every minute. Yep. And it goes through a whole AI system. It, it, it uploads the information to a personal private health cloud, which his medical professional team have access to. You can see uh, at all times, you know, what the kind of the, the levels are like over time. It's averaged out. And it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing combination of yep. AI and IoT. And they're working now as well to connect those to insulin pumps as well so that the whole thing is automated. I mean, 1920 or 1922, I think, was when insulin was first isolated mm -hmm. and uh, given to patients for the very first time. And it was incredibly... Before that, if you had a child or a person who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, you got mm -hmm. a bed in a hospital beside them so you could yeah. sit with them while they fell into a coma and died. Mm. Um, it's it now has changed. Years. Yeah, it's now, it's now 100. Even in the 1980s when I was in university, I had a, a friend who had type 1 diabetes. And in her case, okay, sorry, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go quickly. No, that's okay. Finish your friend's story real fast. Her 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 way of measuring her blood sugar was using urine, and mm -hmm. uh, it was you know three colors would come out depending on which color it was. It told her what her blood sugar levels were like six hours earlier. Now, my son can see his blood sugar levels instantaneously. You know the the change in the technology has been yes. phenomenal, and I can't wait to see what the next few years bring. Tom, my SO is a diabetic. He's well, much older than your son, and he has the pump and he has the Libre, but they've just changed to a system, something number five, and the doctors don't understand how to prescribe it. The insurers don't know how to cover it. And a trip to the pharmacy last week for just a replenishment of the sensors, the glucose monitor, the pumps and everything was a $700 over-the-counter trip that his insurance company said they didn't understand, they didn't cover, and he couldn't figure out which pharmacy was going to, and it was over-the-counter. So. Wow. 
they're still in the stage of how many, but it has, I have the Libras here in a box in my house for him when he visits. Mm -hmm. So I understand, but he has the, has the, the insulin pump and it's on his, right. his stomach and, and he has to replenish it with insulin. And I've heard it go, bzzz, the bolus. And he has to tell how many carbs he ate, when he ate them and how much blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we've got one minute left. I am so delighted and honored that the four of you accepted the invitation, Tom and Leonard and Rob and Eric, and I'm going to ask you a big favor. Would you like to come back in the fall and do part two? Because I think we have a lot to talk about. What do you think? You open for it? Good. Yeah, yeah. Leonard, Leonard sure. can you fit me into your dance card, Leonard Lee? He's not sure. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy that Mac yeah, off sure. of you from well. my library. There we go. So yeah. I want to say thank you to Andrew, my engineer. I want to say everybody wave goodbye. We're not done yet. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Wave goodbye virtually to the audience listening on Voice America Business. And I want to say thank you to Tom Raftery. Rob Tiffany, Leonard Lee, Eric Simone. Thank you all having names that I could pronounce easily. And I want you to all do this little exercise with me. Pick your finger up, your index finger, and you're going to say on the count of three, you're going to join me in a very loud no, no, no. People say the future is already here, and we're going to say one, two, three. No, 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 no. Eric, a little passion, please, here. Eric, one, two, three. No, no, no. I'm a yes guy, but oh, no. Oh, please. That's because that was yesterday's one, two, future. No, no, no. That was the future two that seconds ago. I'm getting yesterday. a reverb here. The future isn't here yet. It was yesterday's future. We're going to make it a better one. Everybody now wave goodbye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. <laughs>